Thank you for everything, Jesus. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank God. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, let's take a look in God's holy word, the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. Good to see each and every one of you. And what at this moment is a weather-wise a beautiful day. And uh or as one guy said, it's a beautiful day if you're still on top of the dirt. Okay. Well, all right. That's his way of expressing it. I, I might have, I know I have a much different way of expressing it, but we'll get to that. All right, Philippians. Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Philippians chapter 3. going to begin with verse 1. Once again, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Concerning zeal, <clears throat> persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Everybody said praise the Lord. It's on this last part of this eighth verse that I'd like to focus my attention, our attention this morning, and that is on being a winner. Being a winner. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. <clears throat> When you get to this book of Philippians, you if you're talking New Testament terminology, then you've you've started in Matthew and you've worked your way up. And uh, of course, when you we have often said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four accounts of the one gospel. And so I'll say, as Paul said, <laughs> if uh, he said, finally, brethren. 
he said, to write the same things to you to me is not grievous. In other words, having to say some of the same things over again is not uh, a pain in the neck or grievous or makes me feel bad to do it or anything like that. It has been said that um, practice makes perfect and uh, we have to keep certain things fresh and updated in our minds. Things that have been, we're fortunate to have the Bible and it's documented. We have chapter and verse. We have subject matter. We have 66 books and uh, 1,189 chapters, close to 800,000 words in the King James Version of the Bible. And pretty much all of our quotations are going to be from the King James Version of the Bible. From time to time, I will bring in, uh, through, for study purposes or comparison purposes, maybe another uh, version or even just another person's way of saying it. But uh, the thing that you want to realize is that there are things that have been told down through time, through almost 6,000 years of man's recorded history, things that have been passed on, things that have been said around campfires or from house to house or meeting to meeting or in our day and age, phone calls and uh, plane rides and automobile rides where people talk, even train rides, bus rides where people talk and exchange. But things can get lost. Things can get added to and taken from. Things can get watered down. I've often asked the question, what happened to the account of the man that was slain in war, in battle, and they, having no place at the moment to do anything with him, they threw him into an open sepulcher. And when they did, unbeknownst to them, it was the prophet Elijah's sepulcher. And that man popped up out of there like toast, alive. And uh, I would suppose back to his family he went. And then what did his family do with that miracle? Did they repeat that over and over? Did they keep it alive? Did they keep it accurate as to what took place? There are things that are extremely important that we don't want to let them slip away, as the Bible said, from us. First and foremost, the written Word of God, the chapter and verse, the subject matter. These things we have and we study and we want to keep that rehearsed. Is it not among ourselves? Is it not written in the Bible that God Himself made a book of remembrance and for them that would speak often one to another and in the name of the Lord? The uh, Bible contrasts that to those that were idle in the marketplace. They weren't about the work of the Lord. And the one that was over the work in the vineyard, the harvest field, he kept trying to go and get them involved, trying to get them to come be a part of the work of the Lord. And it went on to tell how that they spake in that marketplace to the point that he said, every idle word 
shallow, you'll have to give account for it. So we got idle words coming from idle people. What that really boils down to is people that aren't involved in the work of God and they're not talking about God. They're not talking about the things of the Holy Ghost. They're not talking about Jesus the Christ. Talking about everything else. Being involved, their minds, with everything else. And this was referred to as idol. Out of that, I suppose, was born the phrase or the term among people who talk. Said that, or evaluate things, shall I say. Maybe they evaluate talk. And they said that the an idle mind is the devil's workshop. He can seems like if we're not, if a mind is not occupied in the things of God, well, it's going to be occupied by something else. If it's not talking about the things of God and God Himself, then it's going to be talking about something else. It's going to be placing value on something other than God. And so the plea was, why stand ye here all the day idle? I'll put you to work. I'll give you something worth living for. Come, I have this before me. Let me, let me get you involved with something that's of value. And in our case, eternal value. Eternal value. Not just value. Not just like one wealthy man said when asked his secret and what advice he could give. He said, wake up, get up, and do something. Well, see, we, we're going to be more specific than that. We're going to say, wake up, get up, and do something for God. We're going to be much more specific about that. And that's what the teaching in the Bible is. They were idle in the marketplace and just going around in circles, not really accomplishing anything because they weren't involved with what was important. And this individual, which is a type of the church, was trying to get people to be interested in something that was worth something, in something that was worthwhile. And uh, often said, if you climb the highest mountain, or uh, recently they had a man that was, uh, I forget the term they used, but some type of thrill seeker. And uh, he was always doing extreme, what they might call extreme sports. And uh, they would, you know, jump off of high buildings or high mountains. And they would glide and feel like they were flying. And just recently this man that was rather famous and well known for it, at least in those circles, I'd never heard of him until I happened to read this article, how that he plunged to his death uh, right out there in, in the uh, northwest of America in one of the great parks out there. And uh, so when you've done all the hang gliding you can do, when you've climbed every mountain in the summit of it, and when you have swum uh, across seas and rivers and many other such like things, and you've gotten your name in the Guinness World Book of Records, or you have free dived down to the depths by holding your breath for as much maybe as I think the record recently was over nine minutes, holding your breath down at that kind of depth, only now the one that held the record didn't come back up, 
and they don't know where that individual is at, the body never surfaced, never found. So when you've done all these things, what have you done? My pastor used to say, when you've been around your elbow back to your thumb, where have you been? <laughs> well, I'm trying to tell you, church family, we're looking at a man that's, that had, as he said, uh, if you listen to it, and I'll touch it again, he said that um, in verse 4, he said, though I might have confidence in the flesh, you know, all of those kind of things, accomplishments so-called, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh. He said, I'm more. In other words, if you want to talk about that, he said, I got all kinds of records. I got all kinds of degrees. I've got all kinds of accomplishments in the flesh. And he named them. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. He said, blameless. But then he woke up. He woke up. He, some people would call it he had an epiphany. He had an awakening. He said, uh, but what things were gained to my flesh? He said, those I counted loss for Christ. In other words, I wasn't winning. I wasn't a winner. It wasn't happening. All oh, the flesh, flesh was looking good. But you know, he goes on to tell about that he might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now you're talking about something that matters. Now you're talking about something that is going to matter when it all comes to an end for you. And it will, it shall. Because it is appointed unto us once to die. It's going to take place. But for you to be able to do like the man here that had become the Apostle Paul, he didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. He told you how he started out in the flesh. And incorporating that, he said, I persecuted the church. I was fighting the church. I, I was doing things that were contrary. And he said that in one place. He said, I barely thought within myself to do many things that were contrary to Jesus Christ. And then, you talk about a wake-up, an awakening. This man with letters, with Filled with encouragement and prodding from people that were of the wrong spirit and the wrong attitude. They were, you talking about boosting up, friend. He was boosted up. And he was headed down the road again. No change looked like in sight. Yet they all planned out. I'll go kill a few of them, baptize in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, tongue-talking people, one God people. I'll go kill a few of them. I'll get a few more of them thrown in jail. And then I'll stop and have lunch at McDonald's. Yeah, they all planned out, but in route, in route, there came a light and a voice from heaven. The light was described by him later as brighter than the noonday sun. 
And he was being dealt with because he was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. You'd have thought by now he'd have backed off a little bit. You'd have thought by now he'd have cooled off a little bit. You'd have thought by now he'd come to his senses. But he was yet breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. Here comes this brighter than noonday light sun shining. And a voice. And he winds up getting the insight. Mr. I know it all. I've got all the answers. If I don't know it, I can always Google it. I've got my contacts. and I've got my friends. And I've got my, my boosters. Yeah. But on this day, he was going to get some real insight. Who art thou, Lord? Now, you know, if the Lord wanted to rub it in, he could have just said, oh, oh, wait, we've got Mr. Know-it-all. <laughs> we've, got, we, we've got you who knows everything, and you've got the answer to everything, and you've got a better idea on everything, and you question everything. What do you mean, who am I? Lord wanted to have a lot of fun with it. He could have said, why don't you Google it? Phone not working. What, what about your social media? All your little contacts. What's wrong? Who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. And you're fighting me. You're fighting me. Well, to his credit, <laughs> to his credit, what will you have me to do? I, I believe it was the fastest knockout on record. <laughs> you only, only took one punch. Who art thou? I'm Jesus. That's all. That's the only punch you took. I'm Jesus. You persecuted me. Fight was over. That's good. That's a good thing. Because you know what was happening? He was on his way to being a winner. You hear me? He was going from loser to winner. Jesus had said it before that in the days of his flesh, in his earthly ministry. He said, you must be born again. What will they have me to do? You're going to be told what you must do. Okay. Do I get my eyesight back? You're going to do exactly what I tell you. And God had everything mapped out. God works on both ends of the line, church family. If you could get cooperative on your end of the line, you don't have to worry about God taking care of things on his end of the line. Now, granted, God had a a guy on the other end of the line that was not exactly feeling real cooperative at the moment and, and was thinking, surely this isn't the Lord talking to me. When he said, you're to go over there to that house. and There's a guy there by the name of Saul of Tarsha. Oh, oh, oh. You know, I have an appointment today, Lord. Um, matter of fact, i got several of them. My, my schedule is really busy. My, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't go. Not me, Lord. 
Send Barnabas. Send somebody else. And the Lord said, you're going to go over there because he's waiting for you. He's what? Oh, yeah, he's had a change of attitude. Yeah, he's, he's decided that he wants to be a winner. He's made a good conscious choice here. And he's waiting for you to come pray for him. To lay hands on him and pray for him. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I liked it because um, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't say he's waiting for you to come over and tell him he's been doing everything right. And he's okay. And you understand for him and spoil him and pat him on the back and all that kind of junk. No, 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 not at all. I got him prepared. I've softened him up. One punch is all it took. One shot. So he went. Approached him with the right spirit. Didn't come to argue. The brother saw. The Lord. Even Jesus. You know, he got very specific with it, didn't he? The Lord. Well, you know, the Bible teaches in people's minds there's Lord's and God's many. Those are both lowercase letters. That's the little ones. That's the not proper ones. That's the common ones. He said, but the Lord, even Jesus, that would be the Lord of Lords. That would be the King of Kings, the God of Gods, the one and the only, the Almighty that appeared unto thee in the way. Oh, how blessed to have God to deal with you. How blessed was it that day when a person whom everybody knew did it wrong. It was brought to Jesus. And in the midst of it all, Jesus stooped down. What a beautiful demonstration of what He is doing for us. How that He has, from His high and lofty place, you ever read that in the Bible? He inhabiteth the high and the lofty and the circle. He sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And uh, how He stoops down to us in our lowest state. And he lifts us up. What kind of dungeon and despair and depression was Saul of Tarsha in anyway? In his sinful state, in his unbelieving state, in his going around just being so contrary and so ugly and breathing out threatenings and slaughterings and just constantly running his mouth. And just being idle when he could have been busy about the right thing. He was living a life really without God. Though he was claiming God. But you see, God knows the difference. And so, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unseen in any way. We're ready to go now. We're ready. How about you? He told him you need to get baptized. Call on the name of the Lord. 
Lord's going to fill you with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, if you're in the body of Christ already and you, you hit a roadblock, and you trip and you stumble and you make a mistake, you make a poor decision, and you keep, you know, there's one thing about making a poor decision. There's a tendency to make a second bad decision and a third and a fourth, and, a, and you just get on a roll. You know, the Bible did talk about the house of rolls. I won't go there right now. But uh, nonetheless, God, with the great love and mercy wherewith he loves us, for his church, he said, said it wrong, thought it wrong, done it wrong, acted wrong, looked wrong, thought wrong. He said, you can, you can confess that unto me. And he said, and I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And then, not by works of righteousness, which we, oh, I'm going to sweep the floor. I'm going to, I'm going to wash the windows. I'm going to, you know, give some food to the poor. All are good things. All are works of righteousness. But it said, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration. That's John 3, 5, Acts 2, 38. And by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, in the church, make a mistake. Get caught up in the wrong thing. You know, just get all in your brain. Something just went off. Got all tangled up, mixed up, confused. You can get it right. Thank God. You can get it right. He has made a way. He has made a way. And after that, you make that good repentance. You cut off. What did it say? Repent ye therefore. Be converted. A change. It needs to be a change. For the good. You cut off. You stop doing. You change your habits that have been forming for the wrong and for the bad. It didn't happen overnight. You make the corrections. You make the repentance. You cut off things. You make a change. You make a turnaround in your thinking, your attitude. And he's faithful and just to forgive you when you do that. Yeah. And then he's, he's going to... Uh, if you'll avail yourself, he's going to renew you. Every service is an opportunity for renewing in the Holy Ghost. And we don't have any services to waste. I've often told you there's 168 hours in a week. We don't even spend a tithe of that time in church. We're here quite a bit, if you're faithful to it. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night in Fort Myers, Wednesday night here, Friday night for some with youth, Saturday outreach, 
and sometimes choir practice, and then we're back to Sunday. But if you add all that up, you don't come out to rounding up 17 hours, I don't believe. We don't have any services to waste. We don't have any time to waste. We need, to, we need quality time. Sometimes if you don't get a lot of time with someone, whether it be your wife or your husband or whether it be your child, it's often been said, whatever time you do have, make it quality time. Oh, I'm with my youngin. I saw a guy the other day. I asked Brandon. I said, "What is he doing, Brandon? What could he possibly be doing?" He's just sitting. Now, when that guy loses his mind, they put him in a nursing home. He's going to be sitting there doing that. I've seen people, and I've known of cases. Quality time. We want to spend quality time with him who is the most important. And that is our God. That's why services need to count for you as an individual. Make the most of them. Okay? We shut the door on everything else. I am talking to you about being a winner. You know, you're born in this world. You got a big L there for loser. You can be born again, and then you can get the big W. You can become a winner if you'll get in this and stay with this. Get in the body of Christ. Listen once again, and let me read it to you from another perspective. He said, I don't mind repeating what I have written in earlier letters. He said, I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry. So here it goes. He said, steer clear of the barking dogs. I like that. Those religious busybodies. All bark and no bite. And they're interested, all they're interested in is appearances. He said the real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, even to the point that he said another place to become addicted to the ministry of the saints, what the saints should be doing. Filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. He said we couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it. Even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. He said, you know my pedigree. A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the body of Christ, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. The very credentials these people are waving around are something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. 
Yea, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped in all. I got to stop there. Okay, dog dung. You know, we have laws. You walk a dog, you're supposed to pick up his defecation, put it in a bag, and put it in a proper disposal. Everybody knows that, right? Okay. And it's a law. And if you break that law and they observe you, you, you will be given a fine. Okay. And I have read recently that one woman, because she took her dog to the vet, and the vet told her that the dog's teeth were a mess, and he wrote her up, and she wound up in court for neglecting her dog's teeth. But I want you to watch this contradiction. Today in America, there are people that will stop in the middle of the street and defecate. Are you hearing me? And there is no law. At least that they're saying it is, then this is getting more and more prevalent. Now, you know, I've heard of drop trowel. But boy, that's really taking it to the extreme, isn't it? What kind of world are we living in, church family? What kind of thinking is going on? What kind of contradiction is going on in our society? What kind of deprivation, degradation? Oh, I want to be in the church. I want to be, I want to be among the winners. I want to be among the winners. Paul said all this stuff that I, I used to think was so great, all those rappers and all those music people and, and uh, all the sports figures, and all of this politicians and all this other stuff, all of these wealthy, wealthy people. He said, I'm, I'm discarded. I'm throwing that up. I'm putting it in the shredder. That I might win Christ. That's what's going to make you a winner. You get his name in your forehead. You get rid of that loser. You get, get rid of that being a waste and a waster. You get the greatest thing that has been and can be offered. You get the salvation of God. And you maintain and keep that salvation. And this becomes the challenge. And you've got to accept that challenge. We've all got to accept that challenge. The Bible in Revelation talked about here is the faith and the patience of the saints. They persevere. They continue on in the face of adversity. The Bible said, if you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. 
all. Well, you're going to need good strength. Once again, this becomes our gym. This becomes our dojo. This becomes our workout place. So that we can do what the Bible said. Build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Knowing that God is able to keep you from falling. Because there's an enemy. And he's challenging. And you can win. I told somebody, quoted somebody just the other day. That Jesus said he gave us all power over the power of the enemy. But don't miss that part of it. It said the power of the enemy. There's people out there that are like you once were. And I hope that you're not again. That they don't have this experience. They don't have the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost experience in their lives. And they're consequently not able to walk in the Spirit. Oh, they're in a Spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. And so when different things come up against them, spirits, and those spirits have power, the power of the enemy, they have nothing to combat with. They have no helmet of salvation. They have no sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Their loins aren't girded about with truth. They don't have the breastplate of righteousness on the right and on the left. I believe Senior Spell will probably be teaching the kids this morning about that armor of God, if I'm not mistaken, or some derivative of that, and how that in olden times so much was protected by armor. Even the elbows, even the kneecaps were protected. You know why they call it Achilles' heel, don't you? So therefore, listen to what he said. He said, I've, I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from man, but rather I wanted God's righteousness. He said, I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could be born again, that I could experience the baptism of the Holy Ghost, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him, even to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Talking to you about being a winner. It's they say everybody loves a winner. Well, you know what? I don't need to worry about it. They love me. I just want to make sure he loves me. And that I'm loving him. If I can get the attention of some along the way and bring them and lead them to Jesus Christ and help them to become winners, it's being a winner in God's eyes, church family, that matters. I knew a man in Christ who made 
the Chicago Bears, professional football team. He knew what it was to play in front of 100,000 people and hear them scream when he would cross the goal line. But one day, he walked into a humble apostolic church and God baptized him with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he began a whole new life. He gave up the former lifestyle. He walked away from it all. And he began to live for God. He began to witness for God. What a beautiful life he was given in the Holy Ghost. Many, many men and women have had similar experiences coming from diverse backgrounds, granted. But they realized that everything they held in high esteem was just dumb. They realized it was just garbage. And it was worthless. And it was of no value. And when they awakened up to that, and they begin to obey the truth of the Scriptures. They begin to embrace and desire that they might attain the resurrection from the dead, which Luke said, they that would be counted worthy of that resurrection. To be counted worthy of it. My goodness, to be called a child or a chil one of the children of the resurrection, child of God. It matters now, it counts now, but it's going to be ever so much more so at the last trump. And that trump is going to sound. And when it does, and when that takes place, then the Bible said that those that are counted worthy to be in that resurrection of the dead, that's the, that's the first resurrection, mind you, in subject matter. When that takes place, then the Bible said they can die no more. For they are as the angels of God. And you had those, what did he call them? Those... Uh, Barking dogs, those busy busybodies, you know, those know, know so much and always have something to say. He told them, You do greatly err, not knowing the scriptures. Well, they don't quote the scriptures so much. It's Linsky and it's Stalin and it's one of those other philosophers and their philosophies. And, you know, you read that stuff, you ascribe to that stuff, and pretty soon you're thinking that stuff. And that's going to make you a loser. And there's nothing worse than going back to being a loser. The sow that was washed to its watering in the mire. The dog going back to its vomit. Not only did the wise man say that in Proverbs, but it was repeated by Peter in his writings. Come on, church family. You're called to be a winner. Be a winner. Be what you're called to be.
There was a song we sang years ago. I'm sure Brother and Sister Weekly are familiar with it. But it said, get all excited. Go and tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, friend, be a winner. Be a winner. We're living in a world that Jesus said, and it is being fulfilled. Wars and rumors of wars. People saying, go here and go there. and Do this and do that. And they don't know. They're just running to and fro like the, the ostrich is outlined in the book of Job. And in so doing, traversing back and forth in silliness and ridiculousness that she forgetteth where her eggs are buried and she crushes them. The things that are important, you wind up destroying. Just running around, trying to do what? Trying to accomplish what? When you come to this, you've come to the top, friend. The Bible said it shall come to pass in these days in which we're living that God would establish his house in the top of the mountain. And people would flow to it. Oh, people are going to come a run, and I believe that. Because there's things that are shaping up to happen more and more in our world and go more and more extreme. People, their hearts, the Bible said, are going to fail them. Well, if this starts failing, this ticker is going to start failing. Hearts are failing them for fear. I told Dean Sitzfeld when this Erica thing started coming through the land, and I said, I said, I, I don't think this thing is near as bad as what they're making it out to be and how people are, to me, overreacting. You know, the media just whipping up a frenzy. Well, they got to make, you know, the weatherman has to make his job look like, you know, it's necessary, and I'm not saying it's not, but I think they get very insecure if we don't have a couple of Cat Fives once a year, you know. Can you imagine? It's, it, they're rooting for it. So are the owners of Home Depot <laughs> and the people in the grocery store and the gas pump people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the young men dropped me at Home Depot. I had to pick up a, a small part or something. And uh, I said, drop me off. I'll run in there and do that. You go right there. The gas is right there in, the, in this parking lot. You get the gas. Here's the money. And uh, you pick me up right back here so we can get on to the next thing we got to do. I got a whole list of things today that we got to get taken care of. And so I'm going to run and get this part for the church. You go do that. You get the gas. Well, I got my thing, and I'm outside, and I'm looking nothing. And, you know, I get where I want to get. You know, the king's business requires haste. At least that's what I tell them when they pull me over. No, I don't really do that. No. That's what I'm saying in my mind, though. That's what I'm usually telling my wife when she's saying, uh-huh, I told you. Okay, honey, okay. So anyway, I, uh, I, I hooked. I said, well, walking's good. So I, I walked over to the gas station. No young person. No vehicle. Time for the phone. I pulled out the phone for necessary use. I called him and I said, um, uh, 
I'm looking for you. <laughs> you're not where I expect you to be when I expect you to be. And now you're not at the gas station. Oh, he said they're out of everything except high test. Super. I said, oh. He says, I went over to another gas station. He said, but same thing. And so I'm further away now to another gas station. He said, but it's going to be all right. I'm online now, and I'm, you know, I'm only third or fourth down the row here. Okay. Okay, then. So I hoof it back to Home Depot, sitting, standing, talking to people, whatever, trying to stay somewhat occupied. I do know a few people there. We built a few churches out of there. And uh, so anyway, I uh, finally got picked up, you know. But uh, the old panic had set in. Grocery store shelves were getting close to empty. Some cases were. Lines were long. People were panicking. You know why? Because people are in fear. You hear me? Because they're on the losing side. They're on the losing side. What did the harvest cry out and say? It said, summer is ended said the harvest is past and we are not yet saved. More and more. There was a woman in this town many years ago that owned a Bible bookstore, her and her husband. And she had a very bad attitude against the truth, against the church. Oh, of course, she was saved. You know that, right? At the bookstore. And uh, so... She was always looking for some kind of opportunity to say something negative. But one day, a little something took place in her life. And she looked at me and she said, I, I, I think I'm saved. This isn't an I think church family. This is an I know so. This is an experience that you get that, that is beyond thinking so. This is convincing. This is, this is demonstrative. This is powerful. This is real. This is great. Get all excited and go tell somebody. Get, get winner on your forehead. Live a winning lifestyle. Let's keep sin under our feet. Let's keep our flesh in subjection. Let's go forward for Jesus Christ. Let's realize that we're trying to attain the resurrection of the dead. Yes, we are. And when that last trump sounds, there's not going to be any chance to do anything. It's going to be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught away. Not going to be a chance to say I'm sorry then. Not going to be a chance to repent then. There's not going to be time. The angel stood one hand on, one foot on land and and one or earth and one foot on the sea and declare time shall be no more. There's, there's that when it runs out. It's just over. You know, they had a, uh, some kind of commercial on the radio. Uh, the gospel, uh, supposed to be gospel, sometimes I wonder. But anyway, Way FM, and uh, you know you try to get the good out of it, right? And uh, 
So they had this thing about the phone. I can't remember what brought it all on, but in that thing, in that in that commercial thing they were doing or example, whatever they were doing, they had the guy and he's he's on the, on an island all by himself, but he's got his phone. And I guess they were talking about being able to get onto their radio station through the phone. Maybe that's what it was. Until you hear the guy going, no! Because his battery was dying. And he didn't have a charger on that lonely little island with the one palm tree. You know. But you know, church family, it kind of hit me hard because I thought about people that are going to realize before the world has a chance to jump in there and explain it away, and they'll believe it because they'll believe a lie rather than truth because they procrastinated, they put off, or they got into some silly way of thinking or continued in a silly way of thinking, a losing way of thinking, and how they're going to scream. No. Because they'll know it's over. And the church being gone is going to signal a wrath of God when the mountains are going to be moved out of their place. Islands. I always tell our sweet Jamaican congregation that Jamaica is not going to be where it used to be in that time, but you're not going to care if you stick with the truth and you're a winner because you're going to be you're going to be gone. But every island's going to be moved. The stars are going to fall from heaven like a fruit tree, big tree, shaken in an untimely season. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wind. Verse 8. He said, what, what things were gained to me? He said, those I kind of lost because I realized everything I was doing, everything I was involved with, I was losing. I was losing. I was a loser. It's a failure. He said, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. You have an excellent knowledge. And the writer said, Using that same word, he said, yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Even within, there are ways to improve things, church family. We can grow in grace and knowledge. This isn't get this and sit down and become a bump on the pew. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, that I may win, that I may win. To win is, is to gain a victory. That's a Bible word. You know, the Bible teaches that he always causes us to triumph in Christ. He's going to help you to be a winner, undefeated. Can beat this thing that's that's trying to challenge you. You can be victorious. 
You can prevail, as in a contest. You can succeed in an effort. Everybody said amen. You can succeed in reaching or attaining a goal. These are things you can do, church family. You can fight and or struggle. You can be successful. You can gain by effort and perseverance. You can be a winner. You can win Christ. And you know, he's not playing hard to get. I always tell the ladies they were kind enough to slow down and let him catch them, you know, when they got married. And uh, so, but Jesus isn't playing hard to get. Jesus isn't playing any kind of a game. And he wants you to recognize. He wants you to have an awakening. And it is written in the Bible, wake up. Awaken. Because when he said, now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed, he's talking about this first resurrection. That's what he's talking about. You've already got salvation when you got born again. And now you're, from Romans to Revelation, you're trying to keep the victory, keep this thing in a victorious manner. And that, that takes involvement. That takes effort. That takes effort. Effort equals work. We have to do the work of prayer. We have to do the work of reading the Bible. And we're fixing to embark on, for the willing, the work of fasting. These things work. And sometimes we just have to discipline ourselves to do these things. To, and I hope tonight that we will sign up for the fasting gym. <laughs> and we've made it pretty simple and pretty easy, I think. Starter kit, if you please. Get involved. Because we want to win Christ. We want to be willing to give it all up. Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. When I uh, was, I think, barely turned 20, or was turning 20, well, that seems like a little time ago, you know, yesterday, last week, last year, <laughs> and uh, the, uh, I remember when we, you know, we were freaks, we were hippies, we were just crazy lost teenagers. We didn't even know the difference between lost and saved. We never even heard those words. Terminologies and things that we're so used to now, we never heard those things as young people where we were raised and, uh, and the families we were raised in. And, uh, but we, they said that we would never make it. And, you know, they were right. It was right. We didn't have what it took to make it until we got the Holy Ghost. Until we got baptized in Jesus' name. Until 
we were placed in the body of Christ until we submitted ourselves and subjected ourselves through the Holy Ghost to the teaching of God's Word and the leadership of my pastor. That started to develop in us and build in us. If you go in the ocean down to every, every level you go down to, any depth you go down to, you're increasing in external pressure. And if you don't have an equal and maybe even opposite, but I think mostly up to the point of equal pressure on the inside, that the, the depths of the sea will crush you like a man would crush an empty soda can. But see, we got the Holy Ghost. We got baptized in Jesus. We, we listened to the pastor and we soaked up the Word of God. We got involved with everything the church was doing. And we learned. Jesus said, come unto me and learn of me. We learned. And uh, over the last 46 years of marriage that we celebrated August 23rd, uh, permissibly we can look back. And in those that didn't get the Holy Ghost or didn't stay with the teachings of the church and subjection to the leadership who are gone and fallen away backwards, who are divorced and, and uh, who just didn't want to be apart, always contrary and always indifferent, always doing things their own way. They didn't make it. Whereas the two least likely to, to succeed by God's grace. And we never would have made it one year, much less 46 years, if it hadn't have been for God, for His grace, for His word, for His truth, for the church, for my pastor, for the leadership. Never would have, never would have made it this far, thus far. But the race isn't over, church family. The race isn't over. And we're told to run this race that's set before us. And we're told how to run it. And so, we're doing it because we want to be winners. We want to be a winner. Won't you stand with me now? Let's be a winner. What do you say? Let's be a winner. You too can be a winner. We can all be winners. You're not going to win in the criminal element. You're not going to win in always breaking the rules and skirting the, the boundaries of what's right. You're not going to win pursuing things in a fleshly manner. In a human in a humanistic manner, it's not going to work. It's been proven over and over and over again. It doesn't work. That's why they, you know, that's why they don't want to debate us much on anything, but especially on evolution. And the top evolutionary debater said, "Why do we keep debating these guys?" He said, "They always beat us. We always lose. Truth will prevail." Now they're going to keep 
perfecting their little thing, they think, and their everything, whatever it is, whether it's that argument or another, they'll always add and take from. They'll always twist. And when it just comes right down to it, they'll just shut their mind down concerning truth. The power of the enemy will do that to defenseless people who don't have a helmet of salvation, as I said, and don't have their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and don't have all the good armor of God, that shield of faith, which can quench, which does quench the fiery darts of the enemy. They don't have that. Pity them. Pray for them. First of all, the Bible did say to pray for all that are in authority, those that are in government positions, those that are kings and queens and prime ministers and different kinds of titles throughout the earth. They certainly need our prayer, and we need to pray for them because we want to live peaceably as much as we can in the time we live. Amen. But the greatest peace is Him who's in us. He is, he is our principal source of peace. And His peace patheth all understanding, as does His love. And that's part of the more excellent way. These are things we learn and help us to maintain our winning lifestyle. You hear me? We have a winning lifestyle. And that's what we want to show this lost and dying world. You know, I really don't want to debate with them because debating is located in the Bible between murder and deceit. But I do want to let my light so shine. I do want to let them see that the shackles are gone and that I've been made free by Jesus Christ, that I'm free from sin, and I'm not bound by an alcoholic spirit anymore. Not bound by drugs anymore. I'm not bound by all of the things that get people's attention and distractions in this world that they start counting those things to be so important. You know, you know I quote Mr. Is it Kanye? Is that how you say that, Kanye? He's talked about how big his ego is and how much he thinks of himself. Well, I don't, I don't think big of him at all. And if he wants to think big of himself and others like that by other names, you know, want to think all that they're all that, that's their choice and their business. But our business is to get out of the marketplace, idols, and get busy for God about what's important, and that would be him. And let, let our light so shine before all the Kanye's and everybody else. You know, the Arnold's, and that's not you. And yet again, it is. You know. All the singers and all the rappers and all the sports people. We need to let our light shine. All the people that are not quite so much in this, maybe they haven't achieved celebrity status in this world but they're important everybody's important everybody's important 
the church has always felt that everybody's life matters and counts. We want to convert souls from death. We want to be the tallest tree in the garden, which is the Holy Ghost tree. That shows the love of God and covers a multitude of sins. We can pull people out because of the Holy Ghost winning lifestyle He's given us, the strength that He's given us and continues to give us. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Would you take a moment with me this morning? Lift your hearts with your hands. I hope that you have that much strength about you, that much victory about you. Oh God, I praise you. I praise you for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I praise you for the truth of God. I praise you for the victory. I praise you for your love and your deep concern for us. I praise you for understanding that you've given us. You've opened our understanding that we might understand the truth. Oh, dear God, I do thank you. I thank you, holy God, for heaven's grace and heaven's glory, heaven's power, for the opportunity that you've given to us to live for you, for loving us. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's love Him. Let's praise Him. Let's lift our voice in song. Yeah. Come on now. Be a winner. You can be a winner. No more a loser. You can be a winner. Do the things that need to be done that you might win Christ. Do these things. Be a doer of the Word. You are mighty God. You are mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Yes, you are mighty God. You are mighty God. You are mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. You are 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 mighty God. Yes, you are mighty God. You are mighty. You are mighty. Mighty God. Mighty God. Yes, you are mighty God.